Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. They did come here, but uh, I'm glad now. I'm glad to have their friendship and fellowship. If you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 15. Exodus 3 and 15. I'm going to read one verse of Scripture here and let you be seated. I know that we are all tired from camp. Um, I'm tired in body, but man, I feel like I could go bear hunting with a switch this morning. I, I feel like that spiritually... I feel like that God is ready to pour out on his people a great and mighty revival this morning. Exodus 3 and 15, the Bible reads, And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. Watch what he says right here. This is my name forever. I don't think we address him as that enough. Said that's his name forever, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This is my memorial unto all generations. For a few moments this morning, I want to preach this thought into your hearing. The God of change. The God of change. I wonder if you would lift your hands with me and ask God's anointing and blessing right now. Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you, Lord, for your mercy, for your kindness, God, for allowing us to be in your house and in your presence today. Lord, we pray that you would anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word. God, as we'll be careful to give you the praise, give you the honor and the glory, for we ask it all in the mighty, in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And let the church say amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're being seated this morning. God spoke to Moses and said, Don't only tell them that the I am is coming, but tell them that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is coming. As I began to read these scriptures last night, and God began to deal with my heart, about a God of change. I begin to search the scripture and see how God began to move in the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to become known as a God of change. Why would God send Moses to a people who was in bondage, who were crying out, ready for a change, ready for something different than what they had known for the last 400 years. Why would God tell Moses, tell them that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is coming? There's a God there, there's a God that we serve today who is an absolute game changer. And as I was studying last night, I began to think, you know, a lot of times we can talk about that he's a God of change, but we misunderstand that statement because a lot of times we think that because he's a God of change that he is the one that changes. All right, all right, all right, yeah. But Hebrews lets us know 
that he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So let's go ahead and establish this this morning. If we serve a God of change, it is not God that needs to change. But if you believe that we serve a God of change, then it's got to be you and I that's willing to throw our hands up and surrender and say, God, change me. God will not change to fit your lifestyle. God will not change to fit what suits you and your family. A lot of people think that in our modern society that God's government is the same as the American government. That you can protest enough and you can complain enough and you can pick it line enough to change the mind of who's in charge. But my God will not change his word to fit your lifestyle. But friend, if you want to make it to heaven, you better look to heaven today and say, God, there's got to be some changes on the inside of me. There's got to be something different on the inside. It is not the place of a child of God to change, pervert, nor abort. Whether you are speaking in natural or spiritual. Just because a scripture rubs you raw and disturbs your lifestyle does not mean you abort the word of God. But it is worth keeping. It is worth saving. It is worth reading because it will change you. I can tell you outside of receiving the Holy Ghost, the greatest change that has ever come into my life is the day my daughter was born. It will mess you up. It will change every pattern that you have ever had. My wife and I, we, we discussed this way before we were ever married. We said we want to get married, we want to wait five years, and then we want to think about having children. We did. We, five years later, here come little Hannah. I thought, man, surely five years is a long enough time to get to know one another before throwing a kid in the mix. I don't think there is long enough. I knew, I thought I knew everything there was to know about my wife. And I thought that she knew everything about me that she ever needed to know. But at four in the morning, when you haven't been asleep yet, you're going to find out what you're made of because that baby's going to change everything about you. If you listen to the word of God, it's going to mess up your life pattern. It's going to change everything about you. But I'll promise you this, if you keep holding on to it somewhere down the road, that thing's going to bless you. That thing's going to be in your life and change you for the better. 
You may be seated. People used to tell us all the time, you're going to miss these infant days. Hockey. I don't miss them, not a bit. I don't miss going into work with bloodshot eyes. I don't miss walking around like a zombie during the day. But what I do love is the fact that God is moving in a nine-year-old girl that I could have very easily took my wife to a clinic and said, we don't want it. You better hold on to the word of God because somewhere you're going to need it. He's known as God of change. A lot of people think that you have to be qualified for God to call you. But the fact of the matter is, is God qualifies the called. And if God is willing to call you, then God is willing to change you. There's a reason why the scripture said many are called. That's because everybody's sitting in this place this morning. Everybody outside these doors in this neighborhood, everybody in this city, everybody in this community, everybody in this state, everybody in this world it has a calling on their life. When God formed you in the womb of your mother, he placed a calling upon your life. Every single human being that has ever taken a breath has had a calling upon their life. But what makes the difference between being called and being chosen is the willingness to be changed. You can't just walk around and say that God's got a calling on my life. Everybody has a calling on their life. But if you never let God change you, he'll never be able to use you so if you want to be used of God, you better go through a change in your life. So preacher, how? How does the God of change relate to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I'm glad you asked. I appreciate it this morning. You're helping me. <laughs> go with me to Genesis 17 and 4. This is God speaking to a man by the name of Abram. And he said, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name be any more called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Now you've got to understand something right here. He was not speaking to a father. He was speaking to a barren man. A man with no children. And he said, understand that I am a God of change. And when I speak it, it will come to pass. He said, you may not see it right now, but I'm going to make you a father of many nations. What God is wanting to say to somebody is you may not see it right now, but God's got to change for you. But you've got to walk into it. Maybe see what's what he said to him. He said, I will make thee exceeding fruitful. The first thing he said is, I'm going to multiply you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
the first thing God always does when he intends to make you great is he will multiply you. Now understand something. Just because I tell you that God's going to multiply you doesn't mean that it's going to be great blessing. Charles Spurgeon once said, whenever God means to make a man great, he first breaks him. Understand, there's, this is all I am. And there's a lot of that. But there ain't no more of me. So in order for God to multiply me, he's got to break me. In order for God to make me go further than what I can go on my own, he's got to multiply me. And the only way he can multiply me is to let him break me. Understand that nothing in the word of God is without, without understanding. Nothing in the word of God is without a reason. The story of the fish and loaves is more than just a feel-good story. But there's a perfect order here. God took it. He blessed it. He broke it. And then he gave it. The reason why God will bless you is because he's getting ready to break you. And the reason why he breaks you is because he's getting ready to give you. You shall be exceeding fruitful. The very first commandment that God ever gave to Adam and Eve was be fruitful and multiply. God never, ever, ever intended for his people to maintain we're just going to hold on right here we're just going to keep doing what we're doing till the Lord comes back and hope that we don't lose nobody friend that is the wrong mentality you need to be holding on but you need to be reaching with the other hand and saying God why don't you multiply us just a little bit more Maybe seated. Watch this now. He said, I'm going to make you exceeding fruitful. And then he makes a statement to him. He says, And kings are going to come out of you. He did not tell Abraham that you're going to be a king. A lot of people that want God to change them want him to make them the king. But God said, I'm going to make kings come out of you. Understand, if I never elevated to a place of prominence and power, I want God to multiply me and make kings come out of me. There needs to be people that are willing to say, God, if it's not me, God, if I'm never, never a king, let me at least be a royal priesthood. Because if I can be a royal priesthood, then eventually a king's going to show up. 
And a king changes everything. My God, I wish somebody would feel me this morning. Now, now I could be way off right here, but I just want to throw something out to you. Caught my attention when I read this. Whenever he looked at him and he said, your name will no longer be Abram, but it will be Abraham. And your wife's name will no longer be Sarah, but it's going to be Sarah. There was a, there was a reason and a purpose. I told you the Bible is not without reason. Now, I know that I've read many different commentaries and many different theologians believe many different things on why God put the H in their name. But a part of me has to believe pastor that the reason why God put an H in their name to change them was because without holiness no man shall see the Lord I don't believe you can please God and I don't believe you can truly be changed I don't believe God's going to change you until you believe that his holiness is the only way that you're ever going to be changed So what God was saying to Moses tell the children of Israel that the God of Abraham's coming the God that can take them from bondage to the palace is coming <laughs> watch this with me go with me to Genesis 17 and 19 and God said Sarah Thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. Yes. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Yes. Understand something. When God spoke to Abraham for the first time and said you're going to be exceeding fruitful and you're going to multiply, right. Abraham became impatient. Abraham stepped outside the bonds of his promise and laid with Hagar and was born an illegitimate son outside of the will of God. This is the bad part and this is what you and I do so many times. What Abraham named him was what I have a problem with. The name that he named him means this. God has heard. Abraham stepped outside of God's promise had an illegitimate blessing something he created on his own and then had the audacity to say God has heard saints of God you better be careful what you place God's name upon you better be careful what you say God has blessed you with because a lot of times it's what you and I have done brother Mason and not what God has done but I want to hold on and get a true blessing from God God said the man messed up. Let me go to Sarah. He said, I'm going to give Sarah a blessing. Could you imagine, ladies, could you imagine at somewhere near the age of 90 years old, God showing up and saying, surprise. (laughs) I'm about to bless you 
with a blessing. <laughs> Sounds like a mighty good blessing to me. And you wonder why you get some strange blessings sometimes. <laughs> he said, but Sarah, what I'm going to do is I've seen your tears. I've seen your mourning. I've seen your sorrow. I've seen you crying out. I've seen you begging. I've seen you pleading. I've seen you crying out for God, please help me. I've seen the mourning and the sorrow. Oh, God, help me. I've seen the despair. I've seen the agony. But I'm about to send you Isaac. Do you know what the name Isaac means the name Isaac means laughter do you understand what kind of God you serve that will look down through the portals of heaven and see your crying and see your mourning and see your sorrow and will send you laughter. I'm here to tell somebody this morning you may have been in a bad situation for way too long but if you just hold on a little bit longer God might show up and send you some joy and send you some Psalms 126 and 1 said when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion we were like them that dream then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing then said they among the heathen this was not God's people that said it but the heathen looked whenever there was laughter and singing in their mouth the Lord had done great things for them I'm telling you if you would hold on and get a hold of the joy of the Lord then it wouldn't just be the church family saying look what the Lord has done but people around your community would begin to lift up their eyes and say God is doing great things maybe see I'm trying to hurry tell them Moses tell them the God that's going to chase them into royalties coming and then tell them the God that has heard their crying is about to bring them joy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. My God. I've heard their prayer and supplication. I've heard their cry. But I'm a God of change. I'm a God that's about to turn this thing upside down. I'm a God that's about to take the heathen. I'm a God that's about to take the government of the world. And bury it in the sea of forgetfulness I'm about to take your enemies I wish somebody would see where I'm going this morning I'm about to take every doubt I'm about to take every fear I'm about to take every enemy and when they try to follow you into your salvation I'm going to drown them and not only am I going to drown them but you're not going to have to worry about it a year from now a month from now ten years from now but when I bury your problems you're never going to see them again because I'm a God of you may be seated God is not a God of moments but our opening scripture said this is my name forever 
This is my memorial unto all generations. You ever heard somebody say, well, I, got, I, just, I just got caught up in the moment. Nothing good ever follows that statement. You'll never, you'll never find somebody say, I got caught up in the moments and paid my tithe. <laughs> you'll never hear, I got caught up in the moment and fasted for 40 days. But if you ever say, I got caught up in the moment, normally you're trying to explain why you did something stupid. Why'd you do that? Well, I just got caught up in the moment. There's a whole lot of moments in my life I wish I could erase. But this is the thing about moments. They're just moments. They're just fleeting periods of time. You don't serve a God of moments. You serve a God of eternity. That's why God can look past all of your ignorant moments. Look past all the stupid mistakes you've ever made. And look past all the sin that's ever been in your life. And say, I'm not a God of the moment. I'm not a God that's going to judge you by a mistake you made when you were a teenager. But I'm looking to eternity. It's a memorial unto all generations. I am a God of change. be seated so we know about Abraham Isaac how in the world he changed Jacob thank you for asking go with me to Genesis 32 and 28 you'll find at this point where we're getting ready to read from Jacob has left home found the house of God left the house of God that's never a good statement either. I have never in my lifetime ever seen anyone leave the church and five years later be better than what they were when they left. One of our greatest Sunday school teachers that we had ever had at our church when we were Sunday school superintendents, one of our greatest Sunday school teachers that we had ever, ever had she was always there on time. She was always pray, prayed up. She was always, I mean, kids loved her. All of a sudden, one day out of the blue, she walks up, hands in her Sunday school literature, said, I'm leaving the church. No warning, no signs. I looked at her, I said, why? She said, because I need a husband. She said, I need a husband. At this time, this girl was 19 years old. I'm like, are you an old maid? I'm like, you've got time. And she said, nope. She says, there's just not any men in the church for me. She said, I'm leaving to find me a husband. This has been nearly eight, nine years ago. Guess who's still not married? And guess who is more miserable now than they've ever been? I have never seen anybody. Young people, you listen to me. I, I'm the youngest of five children. I watched all four of my brothers and sisters baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and watched each one of them walk away. 
I had a front row seat to the demolition that was Satan that would deal with a young person's heart and take them from someone that used to dance in apostolic altars to someone that couldn't pick themselves up off the floor for being OD'd on drugs. I watched, I watched my elder sister as she went from a young lady who was beautiful and apostolic from head to toe who had every boy in Pentecost oogling her and going crazy on her to marry and outside the faith and then just a few years later waking up beside her husband who had been dead for eight hours because he OD'd on drugs. I'm talking about you will never find anybody that will ever leave the church and be better off. You better stay in in Bethel. I'm talking about a young man, my eldest brother, who's been on trial for murder. He used to be apostolic. Talk about it. When you find where your vision is, where you find where your dreams come true. You better stay. If I would have had the vision of angels ascending and descending out of heaven to where I was, I would have stayed right there. But I need a wife. I need a wife. Let me tell you what the world will do for you. You can go out of church and you can find you a spouse. But it don't matter how pretty they are and how great they are. When it comes time, the world's going to show up and they're going to be ugly to you. My man worked seven years for the love of his life and ended up with an ugly duckling. The Bible said she was ugly. I didn't. <laughs> I'm not picking. You know it's bad when the creator... You know it's bad when the one who made you calls you ugly. My wife and my daughter have a saying, pretty is as pretty does, but she was pretty ugly, I guess. If he would have only stayed, my what heartache he would have avoided. But now, fast forward, years down the road, 14 years he worked to finally get the one he wanted. 11 sons later. Daughters later. Daughters have been molested. Sons wrapped up in immorality. Family torn apart. Because he wouldn't stay in Bethel. Genesis 32 and 28. Jacob finds himself wrestling in the dark with an angel. On his way back to Bethel. Understand something, young person, saint of God. You can walk away from the house of God. And I promise you, just as far as you walk away, it's the same distance back. But the fight... It's going to be a whole lot harder coming back than it was leaving.
because God is a perfect gentleman and Satan is a liar. You know, you would think that as Jacob was coming back to Bethel, that when that spirit grabbed him, that it would have been Satan fighting. But a lot of times, the reason why we struggle and we war in the spirit to get back to God is not evil at all, but it's God testing to see what you're made of. I've learned something about Jacob's situation. The Bible said resist the devil. And he will flee. So if you feel like you're in a spiritual battle. Tell you a good litmus test to find out what you're fighting. You resist it. And if it flees from you. It was Satan. But if it keeps wrestling with you, you better wrestle until that thing blesses you. Because it could be God trying to get your attention and saying, Hey, I'm about to take you back to the place where I want you. Genesis 32 and 31. I'm sorry, let me skip back up. Genesis 32 and 28. And he said, the name, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. How awesome would it be for God to look down out of heaven on you today and speak over you and say, see them? They prevailed. They made it. They fought the fight. And look at them now. If you're willing to fight, God's willing to change. Genesis 32 and 31. And as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Understand that when God changes you, it is not a change that goes away. But for the rest of his life, Jacob the deceiver. How many of you would love for God to change your name today from the deceiver to a prince? From that day forward, as musicians come, from that day forward, the change that happened in Jacob was evident and visible for everyone to see. Everywhere Jacob went, they knew he had been there because there was a trail (laughs) that was left of a change that happened in Jacob. Men, I want to speak to you for just a second. When he changed Jacob's walk, he changed Jacob's family. Because not only did Jacob limp, but his family never eat the sinew. 
of the thigh again. Men in this place, if you want your family saved, you wrestle with God this morning. You get a hold of the God of change and see if your family will never be the same again. Would you stand with me this morning all over this place? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.